0: It's Monday, February the 3rd, 2020. Today we are continuing our study on the book of 1 John, and we will continue our study on 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 17, going to 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. So as we look at this passage, we see and we're reminded that John wrote this book to true believers in the midst of opposition so that they would have joy and confidence that they were indeed the children of God. The key theme we're reminded of 1 John is found in 1 John 5.13, that John was writing so that we would know, so that we would have rock-solid confidence that we could take to the bank that we have eternal life. And so let's read our passage this morning starting in 1 John chapter 4 verse 17 going through chapter 5 verse 5. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that has overcome the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You see, John had been writing to true believers so that they would be confident in their standing with God. This book is so relevant in an age of skepticism and doubt and in the post-Christian world that we live in. This book gives us rock-solid assurance that we can have confidence so that we in turn can go and share this news of the gospel with those who are perishing. Throughout the book of First John, he has given 11 evidences of new birth. And today we're looking at the last two of those evidences. He's given 11 evidences of new birth to give assurance that you are indeed a child of God. These evidences give confidence that we are indeed living a Godward life. And so as we start our study on these particular verses, I want us to look at these specific evidences that we have seen John go to throughout this short epistle. The first evidence of a Godward life. If you want to know that you're living a Godward life, those who are living a Godward life keep the commands of God. They keep his commandments. 1 John 2, starting in verse 3, it says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And then 1 John 3, verse 24, it says this, it says, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So the first evidence is that we are keeping his commandments. But the second evidence that we are living a Godward life is this, that we walk as Christ walked. Second, our first John chapter 2 verse 5 says this, But whoever keeps his word, the word of Christ, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in in the same way in which he walks. So we walk as Christ walked. But the third evidence that we are living a Godward life is our love for others. 1 John 2, 9 says whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. 1 John 3:14 says that we know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in the death first john 4 verse 7 beloved let us love one another for love is from god and whoever loves has been born of god and knows god anyone who does not love does not know god why because god is love and then verse 20 from chapter 4 says if anyone says i love god and hates his brother he is a liar for he does not love his brother whom he has not seen cannot love god whom he has seen so those who are living a Godward life will love others. But fourth, the fourth evidence we see in 1 John of living a Godward life is that we do not cling to the world. We're not holding on to the world and its treasure with, with sweaty palms. John says this in chapter 2 verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we are in Christ today, then we have a love that is 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 over and above any love that we would have for the world and the fleeting pleasures of this life. But the fifth evidence we see that John gives in 1 John is that those who are living a Godward life confess and receive the Son of God. Verse 23 of 1 John chapter 2 tells us that that if we confess, we receive the Son of God when it says no one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever confesses the Son has the Father also and then on in chapter 4 verse 15 it says whoever confesses that jesus is the son of god god abides in him and he in god first john 5 12 it says whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son of god does not have life whoever is living a godward life will confess and receive the son of god but the sixth evidence we see of a person living a godward life is that they practice righteousness 1st John chapter 2 verse 29 If you know that he is righteous that being Christ you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him has been born of Christ Those who are living a Godward life will practice righteousness but then 7th those who are living a Godward life don't relish in sin 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. Because why? He's been born of God. By this, it is evident. Who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, oh, we cannot relish sin and be a child of God. And this verse tells us we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who has been born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch and then we see the eighth evidence, that those who are living a Godward life have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, marker. It is a marker. It is proof to us that we are living a Godward life. Verse 24 of chapter 3, And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And then on in chapter 4, verse 13, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his Spirit. Oh, those who have been born of God, those who are living a Godward life, those who are children of God, have the Holy Spirit. Oh, what glorious truth. And that brings us to the ninth evidence. And that is that those who are living a Godward life submit to godly authority. Verse 6 of chapter 4, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Oh, those who are living a godward life will submit not only to God but to godly authority, and that brings us to the last two of these eleven evidences of a godly life, of a godward life that we find in First John, and those are found from our text. This is the first time they appear in our text uh, at this, uh, this straightforwardly and and this directly, and the first is found from First John chapter five verse one, and that's that. Those who are living a godward life believe that Jesus is the Christ. John says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. You see, the 10th evidence is that, is that those who are living a Godward life believe in Jesus Christ. But then 11, and finally, the 11th evidence that we find for the first time directly in our passage is from 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And it's that those who are living a Godward life overcome the world. John says for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith oh beloved this morning today tonight I want you to know John is by no means insinuating that you must have perfection in these evidences just as an apple tree will have bad apples just as an apple tree will have seasons where it's not as fruitful these evidences are meet, meant to give us confidence, assurance, and free us to love our neighbor and brother as ourselves by preaching this glorious gospel. John is not giving these, these evidences as a direct litmus test that, hey, if you're not this way perfectly, if you, don't, if you can't say, oh, all 11, I follow perfectly, then you're not of God. No, first John could overwhelm us with the sense that John may be saying, if you're born again, you're perfect. If you're born again, you don't sin at all. There's no defeat in the Christian life. There's only victory. Oh, but that's not what John is saying. But another effect, we could read this and these 11 evidences and think, oh, I could lose my salvation. That is, we, we can be born again for a while and then begin to fail and lose the spiritual life that we're given and and, and and lose this new birth. Oh, but be reminded, this is not at all what John is saying. John is writing these things to say, hey, this fruit will be evident in your life. It doesn't mean you won't have bad season. It doesn't mean you won't have bad fruit. It doesn't mean that there might not be times where you're fruitless. Oh, but you will be known as an apple tree you will be known by the fruit that you have the capacity to bear because of the cross of christ be reminded that john starts off this epistle with 1 john chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 when he says if we say we have no sin present tense we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, present tense, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, present perfect tense. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. And so, as sinful and imperfect people who've been imputed with the righteousness of Christ, John tells us in this passage that we show our obedience by the way that we love one another. God sent a son to die for us so that we might live for him because Jesus is now our life. And because Jesus is our life, we live by faith with nothing to fear. We are confident. We are given power and pleasure to obey God's commands. Look at the confidence from 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. By this is love perfected in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also as we are in the world, there is no fear in love, verse 18. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Oh, we are given power and pleasure to obey God's commands. We are not given these evidences to shrink back in fear. But we are given these evidence to have confidence. If any of these are in you, if any of this fruit is in you, it is supernatural. And it is given to you by God. And so there are three ways from this passage that we are called, therefore, to display this confidence, to display this lack of fear by displaying the love of God to others. The first way that we display the love of God of others, there are three ways here from this passage. The first way is we must show his supernatural love to others. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. This is supernatural love. While we were yet sinners, while we were slaves to sins, Romans 5, verse 6 through 8 says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is supernatural love that we've been given. And we've been given the supernatural love so that we can show it to others. And so, I want to ask, are we critical of others who are different? Do we criticize people too quickly because of their differences or or because of the unloveliness in their life? Are we patient in love? Do we show patience to others? Are we looking for excuses to love or excuses to disconnect from others? You see, when we are in Christ, it gives us supernatural love to see other sinners and also be spurred to love. Jesus was a friend of sinners, not because he ignored sin or enjoyed lighthearted communion with those engaged in immorality. No, Jesus was a friend of sinners in that he came to save sinners and was very pleased to welcome sinners who were open to the gospel, broken by their sins, and open to placing their faith in him. I think of no better way to illustrate this example than by the life of Corey Tim You see, Corrie Ten Boom wrote of a love for sinners. And and after the World War II was over and she was freed from captivity uh, of a concentration camp, Corrie Ten Boom went and and spoke of the forgiveness and the love of God for sinners. But it was while she was talking in 1947 that she was put to a test. She was speaking at a church in Munich. And at the close of the service, one of the most vicious guards that had been guarding her and her sister Betsy at Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp came up to her. This guard had mocked the women prisoners and and, and, and had watched them as they showered, had stripped them naked and and abused them with words and been violent towards them. And this guard comes up to her after she had 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 this, this program at this church in Munich. She writes this. She says, it came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and the shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. And now he was pushing his hand out to shake mine and saying, "'A fine message, Fraulein. "'How good it is to know that, as you say, "'all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. "'And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, "'fumbled in my pocketbook rather than to take the hand. "'He would not remember me, of course. "'How could he remember one prisoner "'among those thousands of women? "'But I remembered him, "'and the leather crop swinging from his belt. "'I was face to face with one of my captors, "'and the blood seemed to freeze.' You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there, but since that time he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I'd like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein. and again the hand came out. Will you forgive me? Cory Boom writes, As I stood there, I whose sin had again and again had to be forgiven. I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? The soldiers stood there expectantly, waiting as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. So I prayed, Jesus, help me. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You just have to supply the feeling. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arms, sprang into my our joined hands, And then his healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realized it was not my love. I had tried, and I did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh beloved, in the same way that Corey Tim Boom so aptly gives us this example in night from 1947 in a church in Munich, we are called to show the same supernatural love of God to others. And this is what John is saying: we love huh, not because it's natural, but because he first loved us. But the second way that we are called to display the love of God to others is this: we must deny ourselves and lay down our lives for our brothers. 1 John chapter 4 verse 20. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Listen to verse 1. Everyone who believes in Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. In other words, you've got to love your other brothers and sisters. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And he has commanded us that we love our brothers. We must love the gospel of God and desire, right, desire that his family, who has been redeemed by that gospel, would be loved by us. And so what must we do first? We must be a part of a church. We've got to be a part of an active, growing body of believers. Not because the church is perfect. Not because the church has everything figured out. Not because the church is always beautiful. But because the church is the family of God. And we must belong to the family of God. And we must love the church and love our brothers and sisters within the church. But then second, we must serve one another. We must serve our brothers and our sisters. We must show the love of God to them. We must deny ourselves and lay down our lives, our time, our talent, our treasure for our brothers and our sisters. But then third, we must confront one another when we are hurt, no matter their position and no matter their standing. If we've been hurt by another brother and sister, we cannot, we cannot just bring on bitterness and resentment and, and carry that and let that separate us from relationship. But we must confront no matter their position or standing. You see, when we love one another, our brothers and sisters, we are showing the world that we are truly different, a family bought by the precious blood of Christ. But then third and lastly, we show this supernatural love of God for others by sacrificing our desires and an ever self-abandoning love for the world. John says this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So what overcomes the world? Our faith. And who is it that overcomes the world, verse 5? Except the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We must love the gospel of God and desire the spread of this gospel to the uttermost ends of the earth. There are future brothers and sisters who have never heard this glorious gospel. There are those who need to overcome this world and they're not going to overcome the world by anything but faith. And that faith means that they have believed in Jesus and that he is the son of God. So we must have confidence by seeing the evidence of our lives go outward to a Godward life. We must go and preach this glorious gospel to all nations. We must bloom where we have been planted. We must spread this gospel to our our family, to our neighbors, to our neighborhoods, to our streets, to our cities, to our towns, to our states, to our nation, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh, beloved, let us not only love in word or talk, oh, but may we also love in truth and in deed. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Colombia. We are praying that the church would be strengthened, that the true gospel will spread in Colombia. We're praying for the church to become more aware of the orphan crisis, and we continue in discipleship. We pray specifically for our church partners, Renacer and Vida Bogota, United, and others. We also would pray for redemption and truth for those living in Colombia. Columbia is working hard to prog- to, for progress and to come back from the past histories with drugs, prostitution, sexual promiscuity, corruption, and violence. Pray that the Lord would bring truth and peace to those who call Columbia home. <clears throat> We're praying for God to give grace, provision, and peace for those in the midst of adoption processes. We have many families in the process pursuing older children, children that they've hosted, children with medical needs, and larger sibling groups. Pray that the Lord would guide them and give them endurance. Pray also for our post-adoptive families. Many families are home and walking through challenges of parenting children who have faced a lot of trauma. Also pray that God would bring more missional families that would be flexible in understanding with the process and the complex needs of the children in Columbia. Pray that the Lord would prepare the hearts of these children who are being pursued by these families and that their hearts would be prepared and at peace with all the upcoming transition. Pray that the Lord would grant us opportunity to advance, advocate for more waiting children, have more opportunities to advocate for better policies to benefit them in the long run. Pray that these children will come to know Christ as their eternal Savior and God as their Father. Pray for continued growth in the caregiver education training in Columbia, that the Lord would continue to open doors to local churches who want to invest in and be a part of orphan care ministry. Pray for foster parents that just went through the training that lifeline was able to conduct this year that they would continue to pull from these things the things that they would learn they've encouraged and empowered pray for the wisdom of our unadopted team and for the latin american team as they work together to plan for future trainings and trips in Colombia. pray for our in-country team for saraya and juliet and and oscar and beth Pray for wisdom for Soraya, that she would lead and work with some challenging cases and build relationships with the government and balance a big caseload. Pray for our team as it is, it is expanding and growing. Pray for the central authority, ICBF, that, that those who are working with the central authority will come to know him and for grace and for efficiency as they review families. Pray that they would work in, best, in, in the best interest of children and creatively find solutions for many political issues that hurt the adoptive process. Pray for all of the directors, and especially those that are new at ICBF. Pray for private homes, for for Fauna and uh, others, and pray for our relationships to grow with these directors and workers. And also pray for our Lifeline team as a whole, for Beth, for Meredith, for Farah, for Lindsay, for Brittany, for Josh, for Oscar, and for our unadopted team. Let's pray. Lord, we do just pray that you would rise the church up in Columbia. You'd open up doors for opportunities for them to love on the orphans of Columbia. Lord, we pray for just more opportunities to show your gospel in what we do and what we say in Colombia. And Lord, we pray for the government, for ICBF, for government leaders, that corruption would be rooted out. Lord, we pray that best interest would be had for children. Lord that children would be uh, the, the, the red tape would be cut through for children to be able to find forever families first and foremost in Colombia with believing families but also then through intercountry adoption. Lord we also ask that you'd be with our team as they navigate through all of these difficulties as they navigate through all of these waters. Lord be with the families that are pursuing children now. Lord, prepare them, equip them for the journey ahead, and also prepare these children's hearts. And Lord, for all those children who may not be adopted, who, who are languishing in orphanages or languishing in foster care systems, Lord, we pray that they would come to know the lovely grace of Christ Jesus, and they would come to know that they are beloved children of you through the gospel of grace that comes only through a relationship with King Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would transform the country of Colombia from a, from a country that is steeped in religion to a country that is overflowing with faith in Christ Jesus. Lord, use the church, use our team, use our ministry, and use whatever methods that you need possible to take this great gospel all the way from Cartagena to the borders of Peru to the borders of Venezuela and the borders with the Pacific Ocean. That from coast to coast, from mountain to river, to stream to stream, to jungle to city, that men, women, boys, and girls would come to know the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus. Lord, we love you, and we ask all these things in your beautiful, matchless name, the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, Please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at infolifelinechild.org. At we look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.